You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. We're back in business to say the combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell Mixed Martial Arts Edition. Yes, we're back in the cage. It's all the rage, of course. Uh, looking at that fallout from all things UFC 247, we're going to have the Hall of Famer Rashad Evans on today. You better believe fresh off that Joe Rogan experience podcast that's blowing up. Uh, he's going to check in from the West Coast, let us know his thoughts on John Jones's very, very close and, I guess, disputed, possibly controversial decision win over Dominic Reyes. What should happen next? What should become of MMA judging? All that and then some Rashad's going to break that down. Also, this incredible rise of Valentina Shevchenko as she's running roughshod on the women's flyweight division. Who should be next for her as well? You also hear from our man, Brandon Wise, checking into the pod. We're going to break down the latest news. A couple false reports out there, it seems like, maybe involving Nate Diaz. Apparently not at all. We're going to get into all of that. We're going to look ahead to the weekend and preview UFC Rio Rancho, the ESPN Plus card with a uh, light heavyweight tight title implicatable bow, if that's an actual word in that main event, when Corey Anderson rematches Jan Blachowicz. Maybe a title shot in the future for the winner. lot to get to today. We also have a guest. Yes, former Bellator middleweight champion Hector Lombard will stop by. The ex-UFC vet is taking his talents to not necessarily South Beach, but to Fort Lauderdale on Saturday. Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships 10, only on pay-per-view. He's going to get in there, 42 years old, start a new chapter to his long career headlining the show we're going to chat with him about all of that as you know folks look the state of combat has you covered all the biggest news biggest interviews biggest names biggest takes hottest takes in the worlds of boxing mma and beyond in combat sports be sure to check out our boxing episodes each week myself rafe bartholomew break things down next week of course is tyson fury deontay wilder too we're gonna have you covered from all angles pre, post, during, key interviews, all that good stuff on the ground in Las Vegas. So be sure to check that out. And if you like this show, if you like hearing the thoughts of the great Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans, please, five-star review season is upon us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you can find, find audio, uh, Friendster, MySpace. If you're listening to us there, let us know. Give us that review. Let us know what you want to hear on the show. Let us know what you love about this weird community that we are building here with this performance enhancing audio untraceable unmistakable 
folks. All right. Look, I've said it on multiple different shows. Uh, a lot of you know I do the show every Monday. Uh, Showtime Sports produces called Morning Combat. Myself, MMA journalist Luke Thomas, we break down a nice little weekly video podcast there. Be sure to check out our work on, on YouTube and, and Facebook. Noon Eastern live on Monday. Every Monday, breaking down boxing and MMA just like we do on this show. Uh, that show's a little off the rails. We have some fun, of course. But, uh, you know, I just broke down on there on some recent radio stops just how fired the heck up I am for this 2020 calendar of MMA. You know, we had Connor coming back looking, you know, like he's got some big business ahead on the calendar, right? We, we just had John Jones, and now we might have a Jones-Reyes too in the future. But just coming up, we've got Adesanya, Romero, oh, injected, 248. Right after that in April, it's Habib and Tony, finally. You look ahead to there, probably going to get Max Holloway getting that second chance against Alexander Volkanovsky. We've got Joanna and Weili Zhang coming up at 248. You're going to get... Connor two to three times, maybe a, one of those super boxing fights again that crosses over with with Manny Pacquiao now in the news this week for signing with Connor's management team. It's a lot of interesting stuff. This has all the potential to be a giant year. Maybe Jorge Masvidal, Kamaru Usman in July, International Fight Week. Uh, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. feels like 2016 all over again. You guys remember that year, right? Connor ascended the top of the superstardom mountain and made these fight events against Nate Diaz twice that matter that you had to be there Rousey was in her twilight there and still lingering and it just felt from UFC 200 through all those shows that they were loaded they mattered there was just one big fight after another it's starting to gear back up here for the UFC so it's wild and it's fun Bellator's still doing some things Boxing's uh, having this little mini renaissance. We got that big heavyweight matchup next year. Great time to be alive, watching, come back, listening to your boy BC break it all down for you and the friends of this program. A lamentable that that we had to end the State of Combat Pro Wrestling pod. You haven't heard uh, me break that down a lot. It kind of happened out of nowhere. Shout outs to the likes of uh, Adam Silverstein, Jack Crosby for for steering the ship the last couple weeks, but uh, we're going in a different direction as a company, as a podcast. I know a lot of you did enjoy that show. I enjoyed bringing it to you. Special thanks to everybody who Listen to me on the past. ESPN Cheap Heat followed me to the In This Corner podcast. The State of Combat podcast is what it eventually became and is now. Uh, BC, your boy, will I be doing pro wrestling in the future? Uh, some form, maybe, down the road. Taking a little break right now. Taking a little break, focusing on uh, on, on what's in front of me. And uh, don't go anywhere. The SOC pod is fun. It, it gives you what you want. It's here for you. May not be doing that wrestling thing every week, but... Uh, we still got you covered. All right. Still some fun things to come. Some surprises on the horizon. You are not going to want to miss. All right. Enough talk, though. We're going to take a pause for the cause. Hear a word from our friends and sponsors. But on the other side, it's Sugar Rashad Evans. We're going to break things down, get his take on major events going on in the world of MMA and UFC. Dig it. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let me get on the horn and bring this man in. A very popular man at the moment, of course. He is South Florida's most fit adult male, a former UFC light heavyweight champion, the man of the hour, always sweet, never sour. It's Sugar Rashad Evans. Yeah, earthquake survivor too, Rashad. But I don't think anyone wants to talk about that right now. This guy's blowing up from the Joe Rogan show, man. What's going on? What's going on, man? Not much, man. I'm still out here in L.A., man. Uh, you know, um, did the Joe Rogan podcast, like you said, earlier this week, and just, uh, you know, just hitting up some meetings and things like that that I uh, haven't done since I've been over on the East Coast for so long. So now I'm making my way over to the West Coast and just handling some business. I love it. I love that. Uh, can we get a quick reaction? Uh, is your phone blowing up? The Internet loves you. They're like, I love this man. He's real. He's raw. He's honest. Yeah, man, it's been, it's been pretty good, you know, and it's kind of crazy because, like, I mean, we do podcasts every week, but you just never know, like, if you, you know, because you don't get a chance to redo it. At least if I mess up on here, I can, you know, make a, uh, you know, correction next week. But on Joe Rogan, it's just, that's it. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, <laughs> after I did the interview, I was like, you know, I felt pretty good about it. But then afterwards, I'm like, man, I should have, I should have said this and I should have said that. And I forgot to even talk about my man, 50 grand, like my, my guy. Kamaru Usman. Yes. I was talking about John Jones and everybody else, and I didn't even talk about the the the, the man. I didn't talk about Kamaru, man. And I was like, oh my gosh, I felt bad about that part, man. Especially but, since uh, Kamaru was well. Kamaru was just on there telling some great stories about about partying with you, Rashad. I know. He just told. He just told me. He, he, yeah. He, he, I know. I know. And and honestly speaking, you know, uh, you know, he talked to Joe, and then Joe was like, oh man, I gotta have this guy on. But I'm just like, oh my god. I can't believe it for God. Well, no, before we get off this topic, because, I mean, you know the the empire Joe has built. It's not, you know, this isn't like uh, going on any MMA guy's podcast. You go on Joe Rogan, I mean, you know, three million, four million people can watch it. Did you, you were so open and raw and real, and I think that was the real hook, but did you have any fear about doing that, knowing that you could get people from all walks of life tuning into this? Yeah, I, I, I um, uh... I thought about that, but I thought like, you know, intent is what speaks over everything else. And I think that, you know, no matter what someone's coming from a position of judging, I think they can recognize my intent behind what I'm saying, even if they don't agree with what I'm saying. You know, they can recognize that I'm not, you know, meaning any kind of harm by what I'm saying. I'm just speaking from my truth. And anybody who's, you know, respectable can understand that. Absolutely. What a great topic of conversation. When are we when are we gonna go do some peyote out in the desert, Rashad? All right, that's my follow up <laughs> question. Anyway, we gotta get Let's into the topic at hand. It's UFC two four seven. John Jones defending, of course, that light heavyweight title against Dom Reyes. We've had a few days to digest this, Rashad. And you were the one of the Pied Pipers ahead of the fight saying, Look, all right, on record, my prediction is John, but Dom is in this fight. He is going to have an opportunity to compete. Rashad, even though I know of his speed, power, length, 
I thought if he was going to be in this fight, it would be of the variety where he hurts John and has an opportunity to finish him. I never would have guessed I exited giving him three of five rounds. How just on the standpoint of watching a fighter fulfill his his let you know fulfill his potential in front of you were you impressed by what Dom did on Saturday I was so impressed because you know he he did what I I talked about him not doing you know he, he did exactly what I was saying he should do as far as you know not get caught watching John and I think that's the first thing he came out there from the bell he came out there and let him know that he was not there to be on John's time and he went out there with a big shot and just kind of you know, set the tone of the fight. And then from there, that tone of the fight, he kept it with his movement and off rhythm. And then every single time he chose to dart in, he chose to dart in and made John Jones deal with him on his terms, not making, not dealing with John on John's terms. And I think that was the difference in the, in the fight. You've seen the first half of the fight, you know, the, I think the first three, three rounds or so, uh, you've seen Dom Reyes, you know, using the, the cage really well, but also, using his range really well and and not allowing John to predict his timing when he was going to dart in. And that straight left that he has is so money, you have to respect it. So it gave John a lot of pause, you know, and John was, you know, doing something on the, um, you know, like I said, his oblique kicks. His oblique kicks, they work really well against guys who are, are shorter because it, it all sets them and it makes it so that they can't come inside his range. But with guys who are a little bit taller, he doesn't have that same range. So when he throws a kick without throwing punches in front of it or throwing something to, to disguise the kick, then it makes it easier for the guys to counter back and give and, and um, you know, take away that space. And that's why you've seen John sometimes flat out running when he had to because he threw a kick and Dom was on his heels right away. You know, and I think that was the, the difference in a fight. But once John, you know, kind of figured out his timing, kind of figured out what he needed to do, you know, he, he did that. And John is a master at making adjustments, and that's why he pulled it out the way he did. And, and obviously for all the, the positive talk that we've been giving Dom Reyes, we, like you just mentioned, we got to in turn say, holy crap, John Jones' chin still there, his cage IQ still there. What a hell of a rally with that gas tank to be able to even be in a spot where three judges can give it to him. Now, Rashad, I mentioned we're a couple days removed. I, I, my opinion on the scoring, on the fallout, it's almost changing by the day because so many things are happening. As we stand right now, Judges get it wrong. Robbery. Did did the general public miss things that John was doing? How do you sort of take a full glimpse at the scoring on this fight and whether there's a larger problem that needs adjusting or, hey, it was just a damn close fight? It, it, was, it was a close fight, but I thought that the, what was out of sorts and the outlier was just the score that um, you know the one judge gave that was just completely just like, you couldn't have been watching a fight if you came up with that score. You know, that was, that, that to me said bad judging than anything. You know, I can understand a close decision. I can understand those judges got one hell of a job to do to be able to make a decision like that, especially when, you know, fights are so marginally close like that. And it's just a matter of, you know, what guy controlled what and how you judge what they controlled, you know? So right. it, I can understand that. But when you see, you know, the outliers like the, the, what was it, like 40 something or 46 or something like 49 yeah, or 46. Four rounds I forget to one, exactly what the score was. Four rounds to one for but, that one judge, which was tough, yeah. tough to digest. Yeah, that, that, that to me was, was just bad judging. And, and I think that, um, 
you know, Dana White, he has a point on that. And I think, uh, you, you know, we're, we're in the age where judging, you know, should and, and will be getting better because now guys like myself are stepping away from the sport and, you know, minds that have been watching UFC for a long time can get inside there with a better understanding of how a fight should go and what it means to be winning a fight. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was just unfortunate because it seemed like all night that the Houston judges were just a step off. And sure. it, it, it kind of sucks when it's like that because once you get one bad decision at that, that night, it typically follows that there'll be more that night as well. All right. A couple of things to unpack here. I want to ask you about the scoring. Uh, the immediate aftermath, and I was one of those people saying, look, not a robbery, but that that's a three rounds to two Dom Reyes fight. The fact that three judges could not, you know, that one of the three, even if he had lost by split decision, I guess there's, you know, you'd feel better about it. The There's spinoff conversation that comes from that, which which kind of happens anytime there's a, a close fight or, or, or rough scoring in a big fight is, what do we do to change judging? If you can do one thing, if you were named head of the National Commission of MMA boxing, MMA and uh, judging and, and refereeing. I mean, what's the one change that is still holding MMA back that that produces the potential for scoring judgments like this where people get all up in arms? Well, I think that, um, you know, I've been I've been reading and seeing some stuff on the Internet and, and talking about, you know, the the you know, revealing what the, what the score was that round, you know, and then I think that, you know, that could be something that, that works to the transparency, you know, the transparency of it all will allow a fighter to know where he's at in the fight. You know, it, it it's like, um, you know, we're the only fight, only sport in the game where they don't really know the score until the, till it's over, you know, and, and, um, if fighters knew and, and were more, informed about what was going on, on on a judge's card, then maybe we'll see, you know, a different side of it. You know, we'll see fighters come out a little bit more desperate and, and strategies change. And we may see a whole new different, you know, um, you know, a wrinkle that unfolds in our game just because guys understand and guys are fighting, you know, like, okay, with the insight that they have the score. You yeah, know, yeah, I want to stop. I want to dig deeper in that. So it's, uh, they want the state of Kansas, which, uh, is looking to do basically open scoring. I guess Invicta FC is going to be the first promotion coming up shortly that is going to put that into play. We've seen it before in boxing, only from the WBC, only from like random fights. There seemed to be no rhyme or reason to when they enforced it. But in boxing, they would reveal the scores to everyone involved after rounds four and eight. So coming from that, Rashad, I've always seen the idea of open scoring as like a Band-Aid. If you have a deeper problem with the commissions, the judges, the scoring system, all that combined. To me, the open scoring doesn't fix it, but I want to say that's coming from a selfish fan perspective. To me, if you do open scoring and you know, and a fighter could know, let's say, that he's potentially getting screwed or that he doesn't have a chance to win on the scorecards and needs a knockout, certainly there's that potential that he just goes for broke. I always fear, though, of the opposite, that if a guy is up farther ahead than he thought he was, that it can produce uh, safe fighting and, and boring fighting. Now, again, that's me selfishly as a fan basically saying that I don't you know, I love there's a certain part of that reveal at the end that that is there's excitement there. Even if it's a fight, you're like, well, I know that guy definitely won. Well, he could get screwed and we'll see what happens. But that's me as the fan. As a fighter, would you always want to know the score? So, so there's no, no stones unturned. 
Yeah, I want to know because as a fighter, like I know when I'm in a fight, even if I don't know the score, I know when I can take a gas, take the foot off the gas on the guy. Like I know if I'm just like creaming him, and I know that I'm in pretty much control of the fight, and there's really not much he can do to me, then I can, I can, you know, pretty much work my game and work whatever I need. I feel I need to work on with, uh, with my game just to get the octagon time. I can do that and, and comfortably win, you know. So it, it, knowing the score uh, and, and being and being a proficient fighter, you always keep scoring your mind. Like there's not in my mind, I'm pretty like I, I, I got an understanding. Okay, I feel like I won that round. Um, sometimes you can lose track because the rounds bleed together. Like sometimes you 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 have a hard fought round, you may get rocked, and the next thing you know, you know, by the time you consciously you know come to Hey, what's going on? You'd be like, "What round is it again?" You know, because sometimes you get into fight mode and you don't, you're not even, you're not even there. You're not even thinking. You're just automatically responding, resorting to your training. So I think that, you know, fighters have that ability to keep scoring in mind. And I think if they're going to let out the gas, they're going to let out the gas in general. But I think what this would do would it would allow, allow a bit of accountability on the judge's part and. And I think that's more or less like what I'm looking at more than anything. You know, I mean, this, the fighter will be able to have the information, but from a judging standpoint, when the accountability, knowing that, man, I can't, you know, go out there and just, you know, I mean, you, you feel more pressure to, 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 I guess, get it right. That's to say, you know, so I think that that would be a fix to that problem. Yeah. I'm, Maybe. I'm, I'm always for the accountability of judges and state commissions. And, and for example, you know, we see much worse, uh, decisions in boxing on a consistent basis, a lot more cries of corruption for, you know, keeping the money fighter on top. And I'm always upset as a journalist that you don't get instant interviews afterwards with the judges. You know, rarely do you get an interview with the referee if there's something controversial. And then maybe you get an interview with a, a, a head of a state commission, but it's more of a politically correct type of conversation. I'm always to the degree if people are held accountable for their decisions, it's going to force them to have to be better. And you certainly want to see serial offenders in terms of bad judging a referee not keep getting big opportunities. But when you originally posted your support to the idea of open scoring, I like what you said about what would that do to change the, the sport? What would that do to change the game? Like, would we automatically see more exciting fights because of that? It's, it's an interesting right. thought. It's an interesting thought if that would change people's pace, style, and all that. I mean, I, I guess it's worth a... I mean, it is potentially worth a try. I would say. Yeah, I think it's I think it's worth a try, especially in a system where it seems to be no no fast answers for for this problem because you know judging is 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 a thing that you know it's a very intimate thing. You know what I'm saying? No one looks at something and and, and sees the same thing. If there's an accident on the corner, everybody's gonna have a different story. You know, so True. you you gotta be able to find a way that to have some kind of consistency with all of those variables. And I think just the transparency will kind of, you know, bring everybody closer to that box. All right. I want to talk about John Jones specifically here. 32 years old, still the goat to me. I've got him number two pound for pound after Habib right now in terms of active fighters, but I had him there because of what Habib had been doing the past couple fights, but this is three decisions in a row for John two, where you could argue he lost. And, and you know, Rashad, that knee-jerk reaction is to be, oh, John has lost a step, he's washed. Well, you know, he's certainly not washed. 
I thought he lost a step after watching that fight in real time. In fact, I wrote a story this week for CBS Sports that basically said, maybe it's time for John to go to heavyweight now. Maybe it's time for him to enjoy that potential speed advantage against bigger, slower guys and do that now. But two things have happened to make me question myself. One, a colleague of mine, I'm sure you know Luke Thomas. I, I do a show with him on Showtime. Uh, you know, he's one of those video digester, digesters that really put out some clips and replays that showed just how good John Jones's defense was during those rounds in which we thought Reyes was hurting him. That was followed up by a series of tweets last night from John Jones. I mean, look, they, they were arrogant, kind of angled tweets, but saying all you experts out there, I was never hurt. He was never landing clean. You know, watch this video attached to my tweet. Did as much as I'm sitting here the last couple of days, Rashad going, then that Texas commission, they missed it. We need new scoring. We need new judges. Did I miss it, Rashad? Did I miss how great John's defense was and the fact that when he was backpedaling, it may not have been from the standpoint of being hurt. Should that be counted into how we look back at those rounds in hindsight? Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, even during the fight, I was looking at the one round in particular, you know, Reyes had Jones against the, the cage and he unleashed a fury of punches. And the way that John Jones was dodging those punches, it was kind of almost reminiscent of Ali, you know, when he was doing his thing in the corner and just kind of, you know, playing around with the guy. And then he was able to switch it up yeah, rope -a -dope. And, and put the guy in the corner. He had a rope -a dope. And, and that's what, you know, that's what you kind of seen John doing at times. And it's, it, it's crazy to see um, his ability to, you know, being so long and being so tall to be able to cover all angles and not leave any openings when he's hitting those low crouch positions and evading tactics. And I was, I was impressed with that. And, you know, that's the thing that when you watch a fight, you, you can watch it on two aspects. One, you know, yeah, Dom Reyes was getting off and, and he was, um, you know, putting John in some situations that we haven't seen John in before. But at the same time, John was passing a lot of those tests. You know, John was dipping on a lot of those shots that really could have hurt him. And, um, you know, as I was saying on, um, on Joe's show, you know, for as many strikes that was landed, it's surprising when you see the, the face of the two fighters after the fight. They look like, you know, they barely were they barely was scuffled up and it just is just a testament to, um, you know, their, their defense and, and how much of those shots, you know, you know, they were able to uh, glance off or keep in motion. So they weren't able to hit clean, but John's defense was on point. I know. And it really makes it really doubles down on the point that judging in general is so subjective. And I was one of those angry people on Saturday and Sunday night going, Hey, round three people out there, the people that gave round three to John, the swing round that essentially won him the fight on many people's scorecards. He was coming forward, but he wasn't effective. I thought he wasn't landing big shots. I thought Dom was countering to the body better. Yet again, what I just identified, you could say the same thing now about round two in hindsight. If John wasn't getting hurt, maybe I missed it and it was over rewarding Reyes's pressure, which goes back to the whole perception is reality thing Rashad you know like the judges don't get slow motion replays afterwards when we're watching it in the arena or at home you know we're watching it in real time and reacting 
this is a tough game. It's it's it, maybe there is no real fix for here. Maybe or maybe it's have five or seven judges for title fights and and you know rule out the wide scores and keep the closer ones. I don't know anymore because I'm questioning myself, Rashad. I don't know. I can't fix. Yeah, it. <laughs> I mean it's it, it's a fight and and in a fight and with there's so many variables that can happen, it's hard to cover everything that can happen and make sure that you know you're going to have a concise answer every single time. You know sometimes. It just happens the way that it happens. But um, with with John, you know, I feel as if like, you know, this is his, you know, third time at looking to clear out the division from, you know, a group of fighters. You know, he had it first with the, the generation that I was in and the second generation that I was part of with the, you know, the, um, uh, uh, who was it that the second generation with the Glover Teixeira and mm-hmm. stuff like that and, and those guys. And then, you know, he's got these guys, the second crop of guys the third crop of guys who you know they've grown up watching him you know now now it's a group of guys who are, who are not you know not seeing this guy come up and like okay now i gotta try to match him no they, they've grown up watching him they've they've had all john jones tapes so now these guys are are coming in here with a different mindset than the two generations before you know two two generations before that fought john so now john has to get his mindset to where he didn't he I feel let has let off the gas in, in bits because now he's looking at at everything else outside of, you know, this weight class instead of being like, you know what, I'm gonna master this once again because, you know, these guys are growing more confident. Each and every single time he has a fight that gets closer and closer, these guys are like, Oh, he is human. He is he does bleed. I can beat him. And that's when it gets harder and harder to do what he used to do so easily. And that's why we're seeing, you know, the, the, the gap closing. And it's not that John's skill is getting deteriorated. It's the fact that these third wave of guys, they've grown up watching him. And they're evolving and they're bigger and, and, and more, you know, more explosive than yeah. ever and uh, longer, which, you know, length is has been John's uh, built-in advantage and the guys that are now able to sort of negate that to a certain degree are catching up. So that fits right into sort of, what should happen next, Rashad? You got to keep in mind UFC's pay-per-view sales. Keep in mind the fact that Dom Reyes might be a star right now, ready to ready to burst. Do you run back this fight and do a big money rematch? Do you send John North to heavyweight and try to convince him that the time is now to find out what you have in Dom? What what happens? What should happen? I think that they're going to strike by the iron hot, and I don't think they're going to miss an opportunity like they did with the Gus rematch. I think, you know, the Gus immediate rematch was one of the biggest misses that we've had in the MMA game just because of the fact that when Gus was so hot, it would have been interesting to see him running back with John again because that fight was epic. Um, And I think we're looking at kind of the same thing with Don Reyes. I think that, you know, John's very, very good at figuring people out. And and his, you know, the the second time they fight, it, it may be entirely, totally different just because John is so good at figuring people out. But, you know, we don't know what we have in Dom Reyes yet. And as, as he showed us on Saturday, there's still some wrinkles in his game that he's yet to unfold and he's yet to develop. You know, he's still young. And we've seen, I've seen, a, you know, a bit of that youngness on Saturday. And, and um, but he, he surprised me in ways that I just didn't expect. You know, his, his heart and just his, 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 his fight IQ was on point. And it's interesting to see what's going to happen with him in the next time they fight. All right, I want to close with Valentina Shevchenko. She 
defended her women's flyweight title in absolutely dominant and thorough and at times violent fashion against Chaitlin Chukagian. Uh, there's no doubt she's, you know, 1B when you look at the pound-for-pound pound best right now and certainly has all the potential to be among the best fighters of her era, male or female. So matchmaking-wise, what do you do here? You clean out the cupboard at 125, you panic and do the Nunes trilogy, you try to match her in a catch fight against one of the strawweights best. How do you keep her uh, occupied in a way where you can find people to compete with her, Rashad? Because there's nobody in these divisions right now under these top stars, unless we're talking about women's strawweight. I think that, you know, I think that there's no time to panic. I think that you just keep on feeding her. You just keep on feeding her these, these great fights where she's able to look good and, and you, and you, you know, you make this, indomitable champion and, and the same thing that they did with the likes of ronda rousey and and um you know jo- uh joanna Janjacek, you know these 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 are the, the women pioneers of the giants of you know these these women that just made you think different about women you know made you think about different about how they competed and, and the skill level they have and shevchenko is doing that right now so i say you just keep on feeding her and let her legacy build up a little bit and then when it's time the perfect pitch then you put them together. Then you put Nunez and, and Shevchenko together because then you have a huge blockbuster because they're both doing it on, you know, in their in their uh, respective weight classes. I don't know, Rashad. I'm feeling like Valentina can win that. I thought she won the second Nunez fight. She's a special talent. I love seeing her growth and evolution. At the same time, Amanda is growing in her own ways, head kicking Holly Holm. That third fight, whenever they cash it in, could be could be epic. Could be the best women's fight in terms of like on paper between two of the greats that we've ever seen. I mean, it could be, it could be special. So you're right. Let's take our time. Let's build that up slowly. Rashad Evans, enjoy Los Angeles. Uh, get out there and make those business deals happen. You know what I'm saying? Make that money player. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about, right? Yes. Make it, make it great chatting with you, brother. All right. I hope to see you back in South Florida soon. Thank you, my brother. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, talking to the legend himself, Hector Lombard. I'm fired up to chat with you, big man, ahead of Saturday's Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships debut, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, pay-per-view. Tell me about this decision to take off the gloves, Hector. Uh, There's no better decision. You know, I really, I really like the company. Um, it's like more brutal, that's for sure. And it's more excitement. Well, you'll be in the main event, a cruiserweight showdown against hard-hitting David Mundell. They call him, <clears throat> excuse me, they call him the redneck on Saturday. How do you prepare for this, Hector? You've been the first Bellator champion. How do you prepare for the differences in bare-knuckle fighting? Preparing good. Uh, been training boxing. So, it's going to be exciting. You know, I talked to so many fighters, Hector, who made this transition, whether it's coming from boxing or MMA and then going to BKFC. And you hear a lot that you can't load up on your punches because you don't want to break your fist. You really have to pick the right spots. Have you been able to, to really figure that out so far? Oh, you, get, you, you, can't, you can't figure it out uh, not to break your hand. But you definitely have to kind of like uh, be smart when you when you punch. You know, she's 
try to freaking go at them and cut the punch like a maniac. How do you think your power is going to compare to some of these bare-knuckle fighters who don't have the same decorated history that you do in mixed martial arts? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting already an experienced guy. He's uh, two wins in the bare-knuckle. So I'm not fighting a bomb. And, you know, his, his last fight was by KO. So, you know, he's, you know, I'm sure that he's very confident. And uh, you want to take my head off. So it's going to be a good night. You know, what was the, the appeal when, when, when David Feldman, BKFC, reached out to you? What was it about it that you said, yeah, I want to do this? I feel like he was a genuine guy. And uh, I feel like, um, you know, the company, you know, the company is built by uh, an entrepreneur uh, slash uh, an experienced guy. You know, he's been in bond, he's been boxing for a long time. So um, I feel like uh, he's going to take this company, you know, to another level. You know, we've seen other former UFC alums come over and have success here. Have you reached out to other fighters about about this change in, in strategy and how to really uh, get the most out of yourself in the bare knuckle, in the circle? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's uh, um, a lot of, lot of, already, a lot of big names in signing, like Tiago Alves, I think, I think, like, Ross Pearson from Australia, England. Uh, I mean, you, you got to see... You're going to see a lot of big names jump on, you know what I mean? What do you feel like? This is something that's going to be a new chapter in your career? Are, are you chasing a title? What are you chasing moving into the BKFC organization? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm chasing the title, but most important, uh, I'm chasing, I'm chasing uh, my dream, which is like the competition. Uh, I want to compete. You know, you had such a, a fun MMA career, so successful. Every time we knew Hector Lombard was going to be on the card, it was going to be a fun fight. When you look back at that run, what's the one fight that is most memorable for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I had like the end. Uh, it sucks. I had so many personal issues. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't show uh, showcase my uh, the best of me. But um, yeah. I, I think I did. I did good. I did good, and uh, I feel like obviously I could done better. But uh, you know, when I when I went to fight, it was you know like I was you got you was going to see a, an amazing fight, no matter what, no matter how. You know what I mean? So, uh, for sure, for sure. Um, you never saw you never saw me in, in the boring fight. Uh, never, never saw you in a boring fight. No question, win or lose in, in that regard. So transitioning now to BKFC, is, is the idea to go in there and, and, and get a quick knockout as possible? Oh, yeah. Um, I feel I feel like I see how the power. And, you know, that's all it takes, you know, be able to uh, have, have power and, you know, and, and you know, if you if you get the guy in the, in the right spot, it's, it's over. But I have the power. You know, that's uh, 
Absolutely. Well, we wish you a lot of luck this Saturday. BKFC main event, Fort Lauderdale, Florida on pay-per-view against David Mundell. You got any message for your fans who are thinking, hey, maybe I want to see this. What should they expect on Saturday night? Oh, you know, I don't think, uh, to be honest, like, I don't think that it, they, they has, there has been a boring uh, bare-knuckle fight, to be honest. You know, um, and and the reason why is because even the way the way it's set up, like you know, you see the people that like, they're gonna go two minutes because the rounds are two minutes. So you gotta you gotta give your all in two minutes. So you 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 go back and you you recover, and then you go back again all out in two minutes. So the format of Benaco is made. To you know, to have an assignment fight because in two minutes you gotta give it all you have, and then you go back to the corner, you you rest, and then you go back again. You know, so it's not like okay, you know, let me uh, let me slow down because you know I have it's five minutes round, so I don't want to gas. You know, like you can last two minutes banging, and then go back and you know recover, and then go back and fight again hard. So it's very hard to see a boring fight in Arco because that reason. We are looking forward to it. You're so, telling me you're going hard for two minutes. I'm tuning in on there. Can't wait to see. Best of luck to you, Hector. Thank you so much. All right. Special thanks to Hector Lombard. Uh, be sure to watch him without gloves on Saturday. Send a man named Redneck to hell, most likely. We'll check that out over there in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Speaking of FTL, let me bring in a former resident. You know him and love him on this show. It's CBS Sports writer, editor, former All-State left tackle, he would protect the blind side of Keith Byers' uh, offensive unit. I wish he would re- protect mine on this show. It's Brandon Wise. Wait, was that weird? Let me take that back if it was. All right. <laughs> Maybe that was weird. Brandon, how the hell are you, bro? I'm doing good, BC. It's been a uh, weird morning with some news that wasn't news breaking in the middle of our day so yeah there's a couple of those things going around we're going to get to that in a second but uh do you regret not still living in the ft i know you're a boca native but still not living in the ftl to see uh hector lombard on saturday bro dude where is that fight did he tell you or like is it is it at an arena like is it at the panthers arena in the bbt center it's at the greater fort lauderdale convention center brandon God. All right. All right. This is the big time. It's just on the street or something because that's where <laughs> Yeah. Somebody should start a street fighting. Prom- oh, Dada. Dada did, right? Before he almost died. And then, yeah. All right. All right. Enough of this. Enough of this. Uh, Brandon, the news you were talking about. Uh, we, we'll break down the news. We're going to have a nice preview, of course, of UFC Rio Rancho coming up. What the hell is that called? Uh, Brandon, Nate Diaz was almost uh, jailed and arrested for like domestic abuse and attacking officers per the Miami Herald. Is that correct? And then as soon as that story hit the light of day and we all panicked, it ain't true. What the hell is going on here? So, yeah, the Miami Herald and a very credible reporter, David Ovalle, said that Nate Diaz was arrested on an allegation of domestic violence and that once he was taken into police custody at the station, he was released from his handcuffs and then became extremely violent with police. Then we find out from Ariel Hawani and a couple of others 
through uh, Diaz's manager that none of this is true. Diaz has not even left Stockton since the Super Bowl a, couple, a week and a half ago, and that it's completely erroneous. You know, they're, they're selling you all wolf tickets, people. You're eating them right up. All right. Thank you, Nick. Uh, yeah, I guess there's a lot of guys in South Florida named Diaz who uh, – no, there's not. Stop. Well, there is. But stop. Stop this. That's a that's a, a big-time bungle there, and it's great to hear that it's not true, Brandon, because I still need me some Nate Diaz fights, all right? I still need me what he brings to the table, right? Pass the Ducci to the left side, brother. Yeah, the biggest thing to me is, like, if this if this wasn't – if this is not true – and the UFC is still in that weird place where they're thinking about coming to Miami for a fight. Nate's not going to be on that card now. I'm not surprised, mother. All right. Uh, in other news that I don't know if it happened, um, I know you can't comment too much about this because it's a potential pressing legal situation. But see that Conor McGregor video in the bed? What's? Uh, can we talk? I don't know if we can talk about that. What's going on here, Brandon? That thing's blowing up the uh, Instagram. It's everywhere. Every Everyone's DMing that video to me. Um, Yeah. Is that him? It looks like him. I don't know. I can't. I, I, Brandon, you're not talking. Does it? I mean, come on. Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. What do you want me to say about it, bro? Honestly. What would you like? This is like... What did this it smell a- like? What did the video smell like? It is a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Uh, it's weird. It's gross. There's a lot of gross in that video. I don't know what's going on. Okay, anyone that hasn't seen it, there's a lady. She does something gross with her hands and mouth. Then she pans the camera on the bed. It looks like Connor. I don't know. I don't know, Brandon. I mean, it, you can't definit- definitively say it's Connor, but he has all of these same tattoos as Connor. It also seems like a video that might be a few years old yeah. that just somehow resurfaced out of nowhere and yeah. people are freaking out about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's something. All right, Brandon, it is something, um, you know, in our day or sorry, you're like 26 in my day. You know, we didn't we didn't uh, we didn't have uh, a cam. We didn't have video cameras on cell phones, Brandon. OK, so people like that could could do stuff and get away with it. You know what I'm saying? Well, this became like a phenomenon a couple of years ago with NBA players where these women would be like this would be a, a trophy hunt almost where that you would take a video like this of yourself with big name NBA player like James Harden. I can't remember who the other ones were, but that was like a big deal. And I don't I don't know. It's nothing. There's nothing illegal about it. There's nothing like um, something immoral, potentially, Brandon, but I'm not going to judge anyone. All right. Well, you judge people for watching the Super Bowl and liking it, but that's another story. Super Bowl halftime show, Brandon. I didn't say you couldn't like it. All I said is I didn't love it. It does make me a racist. All right, Brandon. All right, enough of that topic. Let's get into some actual real news. Um, Did you hear? I got caught off guard on a radio appearance yesterday. Someone talking about Derek Lewis, talking about a life-threatening illness that he revealed on the ESPN's Ariel Hawani MMA show on Monday saying that he really wasn't cleared to fight and he did it on his own. Uh, do you have any other info on there? I feel like he was very cryptic and not actually saying what's really going on here. So he, so yeah, he was on Ariel's show on Monday and he was talking about the fact that he has a very serious health issue that the UFC and the commissions all know about that he needs to get taken care of. But as you mentioned, he has not, he is not going to give out specifics on what's going on. He wants to get it handled himself, but it is a very, very serious situation that he needs to take care of. Damn, we we wish him well. We love ourselves some Black Beast on this show, but uh, 
It's like because he's such a jokester, you never actually know the degree of what he's saying is true or false. So hopefully, you know, if this is serious, he gets it taken care of. But um, I love that man, Brandon. Okay, I love him. All the training and all the sex I've been getting. Yeah, my body needs some time off. I hope he takes that time off, Brandon, and gets gets right. You know who's going to be taking some time off from the UFC after a most recent round of cuts? Your boy Juan Adams, fresh off a three-fight losing streak, including a loss to Greg Hardy. Uh, any hard feelings on the way out, Brandon? My boy. How is he my boy? You like wash heavyweight. You like like sloppy. You love sloppy dudes like Johnny Walker and Michelle Pedeta. All right. First of all, those guys actually know how to fight. I'm not still sure that Juan Adams does because as oh, our coworker noted on Saturday night, he seems like a guy who as soon as he gets in the ring and the bright lights hit him, freezes. And it seemed like it again this week where he just absolutely looked lost in there and got destroyed. So you're so. saying not everything worked for him that night in the cage. I'm not going to hit the button, bro. I'm not as predictable. I know as you, you too well that you're going to at some point. I'm not going to hit the button. All right. All right. Uh, tough end of the career. A couple others got dropped. A couple other name guys, right? Uh, Polo Reyes. We'll see you later. You know, there was a bunch of them like um, Brad Katona from Canada. He was supposed to be a big prospect. It just, I guess, didn't work out. Uh, Darko Stosic, who was a light heavyweight prospect, who I think just didn't look very good in his last in his first two outings. And they just decided to cut bait on him. Ben yeah. Saunders, bro. He'd been around for a long time. I think that's probably for his own well-being because he's been knocked out so many damn times now in violent fashion that he probably just needs to stop. Yeah, yeah. He should he should finish, as Prince Nassim would say. Uh, Brandon, here's some interesting news. So it initially started with the reveal that Rafael Lovato Jr., your Bellator middleweight champion, was forced to give up his belt due to an undisclosed injury or illness. It really wasn't clear on what's going on with him. But talk about Scott Coker spinning this into something good. May 9th, San Jose, it's your Bellator 243 card, which we thought was going to be headlined by Ryan Bader in that stay busy title defense against that guy's name. I forgot at the moment, that dangerous Rushki. You know what I'm talking about? Nemkov? Yes, thank you. Thank you. And now we have added to that a vacant middleweight title bout between current welterweight king Douglas Lima and gay guard Musasi. Sign me the hell up. I love it, Brandone. Yeah. So, by the way, just to go back to Lovato for a second, he was on Rogan's show about a week ago, and I think he said that he has a brain hemorrhage or something that is like pending. Like, there's something going on with his brain that he needs to get, like, surgery on, and that's why he's giving up the title because he won't be able to to train or compete for a while. Damn. Uh, Damn. Yeah. This is weird to me. Like, is this Scott Coker saying, all right, I believe in you, Douglas. Let's make you a double champ. Or is it like there's no he doesn't think there's anybody left that wants to wait for him to fight? Well, it seemed like uh, this this news came just a couple days after it was announced that Lima resigned with the promotion. So I'm wondering. Wasn't that sorry. Wasn't that both announced yesterday? Oh, was it simultaneously? I'm wondering if it's if it's connected, Brandon. If basically, look, they they know they have a you know one of the best fighters in the world, and Doug Lima just won the the Bellator welterweight Grand Prix. You know, if you're talking about who's the one guy in Bellator that could win a title in UFC tomorrow, it's basically Pitbull and Lima are legitimate. I wonder if they said to him, you know, obviously we want to resign you. We want you to be the face of the franchise now. Uh, we'll also give you this shot at the middleweight title, and um. 
it's interesting. Becoming a champ champ in Bellator obviously doesn't have the same level of of credence. If you're any kind of name, you can get opportunities. Then again, if you're a big name at UFC, you can get huge opportunities too. But uh, this is uh, this is a very interesting fight. It's going to be tactical. Lima going in there against a guy who can fight as high as you know light heavy and heavy if he if he wants to. And uh, I don't know who's coming out of it. That's why I like it. That's why I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, I'm interested in it. My only concern is what do you do if Musasi actually wins? Like, because he's kind of been hinting at he's only got a couple of fights left in his career. And if he wins and vacates, then what was the point? You know, well, if he wins and defends, then it works out. But, uh, you know, we just saw Rory move up and try this against Gegard and got got it, got his ass served to him. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think Lima's a lot better fighter, and I think he's a better matchup for somebody like Gegard. That's fair. That's very fair. But Bellator, hey, give us a reason. I'm always saying that about Bellator. I love you. Give me a reason. Give me a reason to. Give me a reason to get fired up. Give me a reason to play this sound drop. Thank you for joining us, man. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. By the way, did you ever see Rockhold's facial reaction to that? It was always like, what? I mean, DC's from the heart, right? Right? See see you soon, boy. I love you. Come on, bro. Like, get fired up. I love you! Right? Right? Come on. You know? Uh, men, men can tell each other that they love them, Brandon. All right. Yes, this is a fact. Do you have anything to say? I'm not going to say it to you right now. Okay, okay. I have one thing to say to you. I love you. I make you a bad. Okay. okay, okay, okay. I don't know what that means either. All right. Uh, back to the news cycle, Brandon, as we got weird for a second. This is interesting, okay? The big news is that uh, eight-division world boxing champion, Filipino icon, global superstar, Sitting senator in the nation of the Philippines, the great Manny Pacquiao, has signed with Paradigm's management team, Auditar, the same people that represent Conor McGregor, Israel Adesanya, Chris Cyborg, etc. Sort of a co-deal with Manny's current managers. But here's where it ties into MMA, brah. Do you remember when Conor McGregor sat down with Ariel Hawani? It was his first like real serious interview heading into that cowboy one. And he slipped out. We're on the verge of signing Manny. And we all thought it meant, well, is that Zufa Boxing on the verge of signing Manny? No, it turns out it's probably Paradigm. But I think it's for the same end game. If Manny Pacquiao is signing with a team known for having elite MMA fighters, Brandon, does this not tell you that this year could end with Pacquiao McGregor at uh, Raiders Stadium in Vegas? <sighs> end the year like december november yes 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 dude yes like that i feel like if if they're gonna do boxing at that stadium they're gonna do it before football season starts because you don't want to run the risk of booking a date and then having to completely revamp that stadium the next day for his football game i don't think i would guess they have a schedule or an idea of a schedule brandon they are professionals that run that I mean, the NFL schedule doesn't get released for another two months, though. You know, I'm not a big football guy, but I'm sure there's conversations, you know. I'm sure there's, you know, I'm sure people know things, right? There's a ball. It's missing air. Like, you know, the Astros are stealing signs. People talk, bro, okay? (laughs) Look at you flexing your actual sports knowledge. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, when it comes... I mean, you remember what Paul Pierce said, right? When it comes to, you know, understanding things and wanting information, wanting fluids, wanting really, you know, anything branded. Right. I don't have to go much deeper on this because it's pretty gross. Okay, thank you. Thank you. This 
Was this out of the wheelchair or in the wheelchair? This is out of the wheelchair. You know, I'm tired of getting the taste of it. I want the whole load. Right, there's people sharing that load of information, Brandon, okay? They'll get to the bottom of it. Um, I think this is glaringly obvious that that's the plan. You remember during McGregor Cowboy Fight Week, yes, Connor entertained Floyd. Yes, he entertained the idea of fighting everyone from Masvidal to Nurmagomedov. But he used Pacquiao's name a lot, bro. And it wasn't us asking him about it as much as him floating it out there. Because it was us going, I don't know if that's a great boxing matchup for him. But if he's going to sign in-house, I mean, that's the old boxing playbook, right? The promoter gets everybody in-house. The the management team's got them all in-house. He sure ain't going to be in the octagon, I'll tell you that much. Did you see a scenario where Floyd and Manny opened the stadium in July or August? And then Manny fights Connor in December. Wow, that would be a weird scenario. That would be very weird. That would make comments like this null and void. You say something else, I'll whip your ass in the octagon. Oh, stop, stop it. Um, no, I, I don't know if I could see that. I, I would guess, knowing how big these type of events are, how long they take to put together, the the... Uh, I think we get either or. We we would either get Mayweather Pacquiao 2 at that stadium for your giant sort of crossover event, or you would get Connor versus either of them. All right. Fair I, enough. I mean, look, I'm not sure the UFC is just going to take a step back and go, sure, Connor, uh, go fight, you know, like, uh, go, uh, well, that would be only one boxing match for Connor. It's just, again, like, this goes back to weird timing for everything because Manny still needs to fight somebody. He wants to. He wants to get another belt, right? That's what he keeps he keeps saying. He wants to get another chance at a, a 147 belt. Yeah, but I don't Con- know if also, that could matter but, to him as much as just getting a crap load of money, right? Yeah. I mean, but, it comes down to what... Look, we know he's got either one or two fights left on his PBC deal. That's what it comes down to from a boxing business side. Whether he would do a joint type of deal with Al Heyman and PBC or whether this would only happen without them. If, you know, I guess that brings more into credence the idea that maybe we could see Mayweather Pacquiao too this year if PBC was willing to team up with Dana and then that could set the stage for Manny. And maybe maybe you're not wrong, Brandon. Maybe you're not wrong because Pacquiao does want to stay active. So let's say Manny kind of punted at the idea of coming back in the spring against a Spence or a Danny Garcia and just wanted Floyd and Connor in the same year. It'd be it'd be interesting, man. Uh, sales would be up for everyone, including us here at CBS Sports Combat, all right? I'm just surprised that we're in mid-February now. We still haven't even gotten a whisper of Manny getting another fight. And all signs are pointing toward Connor having to wait until August to fight again, even though he's the one who keeps saying he wants three fights this year. So I'm just trying to figure out the timing on all of this. If you're saying that you think that that would happen in December, because that would mean, I mean, it would it would line up kind of with Connor's schedule, but it would line up with Connor's schedule. Also, why, you're also assuming he comes out completely healthy from the Khabib fight, no matter what. I think he would, no matter what, because he's either gonna, in my eyes, he's either gonna stop Khabib if he was po- if it was possible for him, or he would get essentially ground and pounded and submitted. Yes, I know what you're saying. There could be facial damage, cuts, all that, but um. Look, if Connor wasn't fighting Habib next, or the winner of Tony Habib, no disrespect to Tony Ferguson, by the way, then he would be fighting Masvidal or Gage Chi in like the next month and a half, right? So obviously that's not happened, so they're waiting for that giant money fight. You could still do that giant money fight at the end of August to open that stadium. And then he could basically say, hey, UFC, I gave you two fights this year, man. 
Now I'm going over to this box side against Floyd or Manny. Do you want to come with me and split the profits as long as we put McGregor Sports and Entertainment in the marquee? Because he loves jumping in there and saying that. Yeah. What if International Fight Week this year is at Raiders Stadium? That'd be pretty sick, huh? It, it won't be. I don't think that thing opens until later in the year. Well, I mean, it's supposed to open for football season, but that would be the perfect dry run, right? For I don't know if you... Look, when people open places, they want to christen it with something big, right? I don't know if uh, Jorge Usman is like that level. Who says that's what the, fight, what the main event's going to be? I'm saying it right now. Oh, okay. You're saying it right now. Thank Definitively. You, you, you were talking with Uncle Dana. You're Thank getting all the inside info. Uh, we've seen some promotional stuff the last few days for this UFC Brasilia card. Brandon, I don't think I knew about this. Kevin Lee, Charles Oliveira in the main event. I'm popping, bro. Kevin Lee will one day wear a UFC championship. I know this. You soon will understand this, Brandon. You know that Duke Bronx is like really good, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've been watching UFC for a while. <laughs> I'm just saying, this is not an easy fight for Kevin Lee. No matter how much fight. you and Rashad love this dude and think that he's going to wear a UFC belt for whatever reason. First of all, it never disparage the name of Rashad Evans on this podcast. Thank you very much. You're going to do what I want you to do, and that's just the bottom line. Yes, and the sir. sooner you come to realize it, the more comfortable you be with the results. Maybe trash talking isn't his finest thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the guy's a psychedelic god, okay? Keep going, Brandon. I... This is a this is a tough fight. You did know about this fight. You just forgot about it because that's kind of what you do with a bunch of fight announcements when they all happen at the same time. But yeah, this is a challenge. This is a this is going into enemy territory kind of a little bit here against Oliveira. And I, to me, that's a toss up fight. I know Kevin Lee looked great against Con uh, Connor Gillespie against Gregor Gillespie. But By great, you mean he had one of the best knockouts in like modern history like seriously i'm not fooling around i'm not playing the kevin lee trumpet extra to try to get you angry at me that knockout was sick-tastic did you ever see the the sideline replays where did you put it on on the year's ranking of knockouts i think two did you ever no, see that did not have it too did you ever That's see like four or five did you ever see megan olivi's reaction cage side yes <laughs> that's not the reaction that was my reaction okay uh brandon um I'm just saying, it's a great fight. I'm just saying the man will wear a title, maybe the first uh, 165 title one day. Who knows? But uh, I wonder how close he is. for. Let's look at these rankings right now. Habib's the champion. He's fighting Tony in April. The UFC still has Poirier and McGregor, two and three. McGregor will get the next title shot. We all know this. Then there's Gage Chi. Then there's Cerrone at five. What is the UFC doing Paul yeah. Felder at six, Dan Hooker at seven, who's got a fight coming up, and then Kevin Lee at eight. All right, they're disrespecting him a little, but he's two wins away from a title shot. All right? Two wins away from a title shot? That's UFC Brasilia. That's March 14th. Lee Oliveira is your main event. Damian Maia in the co-main. And uh, I'm sure you're pretty so solidly excited about Johnny Walker, fresh off that loss to Corey Anderson, drawing Nikita Krylov. Krylov. Krylovian. I'm that Krav guy who Maga. always. Yes. I get hit. Are you gonna let me do no, this? No, no, I've got no, no. Sorry, keep going. Is it weird that I always get Nikita Krylov and Misha Serkinov confused? It's very uh, Eastern Euro racism going on right there, right? <laughs> That's a good fight, though. I, I'm excited. I'm excited for Johnny to be back in our lives, even though you hate that man with the 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 intensity of a thousand suns for some reason. 
Dude, I, can we talk about this weekend already? Because no, the I'm not other, there yet. I'm still ca- filling time with ridiculousness. Uh, Amanda Rebus, who's not going to be fighting Paige Van Zant that night, is fighting Random Marcos, according to Wikipedia. Shout out to one of our, <laughs> shout out to one of our favorite people in the world, the great warlock himself, Gareth A. Davis. Caught up with him at UFC two four five. Uh, heart attack survivor. Love that man. Nobody loves Random Marcos like. <laughs> the warlock. Nobody. That is Brandon true. can speak of that. All right. Brandon, we're close to talking about this weekend. Uh, you know what popped me? You betcha. Betch Cohea is going to be back at that UFC 250 card in Sao Paulo against Penny Kianzad. 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 I don't think I know her that well. Can Jeez. Betch win this? I mean, we're, we're, look, I have favorite fighters. We all do, right? The Baron era is still real to me, Brandon. Betch Cohea, I still think there's there's juice left in that tank, all right? That's gross. Um, yeah. I mean, it, dude, it's UFC women's bantamweights, man. Like, anything can really happen. Nobody's really that much better than anybody else besides Amanda Nunez at this point. I, all right. We I, did see I, the fight. She does, but Kanazad is just like another... Run of the mill, one thirty five or right you now. You and I saw her last summer, uh, two thirty nine in Vegas. She lost to Julia Avia. Yes, she's the fighting Iranian. All right, she bounced back with a win over Jessica Rose Clark. I am in on that. Let's get in on what's going on this weekend, Brandon. It's UFC Rio Rancho as the fight promotion goes to New Mexico inside Santa. Anna Star Center. Brandon, this is a UFC on ESPN Plus card, but it's one of those good ones. A lot of like interesting returns, matchups, names, action potential, and a main event that does matter in light of what we're talking about here with John Jones's close decision over Dom Reyes. Will there be a rematch? Will John Jones stay at 205? Just had a nice discussion with Rashad about that, Brandon, but you can't tell me that Saturday night, if one of these two men in the main event a rematch doesn't make a massive statement here. They could F around and close the year with a John Jones fight. It's Corey Anderson. It's Jan Blahowicz. Brandon, they have fought before. It was a kind of a long arse time ago. I believe it was five years ago, in fact. September 2015, UFC 191. Corey Anderson takes a unanimous decision. Much has changed for both, but with Blahowicz coming off that whole hum performance against Jacare where he kind of limped to a victory and Corey Anderson fighting with, uh, with straight venom and motivation. What do you see happening here? Cause I love this fight. I love what's at stake. I'm starting because of the juice and the buzz flowing off of Jones Reyes. I'm talking myself into this being a, a fun piece of business on Saturday. I mean, I am at the point where it's like, I've backed Jan to the point where I believe he should be fighting for a title. I have him ranked number two in our our own CBS Sports divisional rankings at, at light heavyweight. Ahead of Dominic Reyes, who just won the championship over the weekend and, and through through my eyes. Yes, he's still number two. Um, I'm going out on my shield with that dude because I just think he deserves it. Even though, as it's been mentioned, his last two fights have been against 185ers moving up to 205, who are kind of just bloated at that point. Don't look very good. He knocked out your boy Luke Rockhold viciously, but again, Luke didn't really pose much of a threat. I mean, he Take didn't that back. do anything. Take that back. He Luke was aggressive. The first minute of that fight, I was like, oh my God, Luke at 205 is amazing. 
He's he handsome. Looked, he's jacked. He looked the part, but he didn't do any damage. That was the problem. Um, and then the Jacare fight happens, and he just looks so bad. Like, so bad. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if it was just him not being completely focused on it. I don't know if it was him just expecting a different fight tactically from Jacare that he just didn't get. So I don't really know where Jean is at this point because he's got to know that he's on the precipice of a title shot, right? Like he's got to have that kind of mindset throughout training camp coming into this. But I don't know if he has all of the well-rounded skills against somebody like Corey Anderson, who seems to be finally putting together a striking game to go with that wrestling that has been his dominant trait for so long. I like, I like Jan in this fight. I can't believe the odds are where they are at, that, that Corey's like a, min, a minus 220, 230 favorite against Jan. But yeah, Corey's streaking, though. Corey's streaking, bro. I mean, four, so is Jan. Four straight wins against decent names. I mean, Johnny Walker, Beefy Latif, Glover Teixeira, that former barista, Patrick Cummins. I love that you say decent names and you did throw Johnny Walker and beefy Latifi in there as they both are in hell right now. Um, I mean, I see this as a fight. Corey Anderson can win under Corey Anderson ways of just aggressively wrestling him. And, and I mean, like Jan Blahovich did not look great on the ground against, against Jacare. That is true. That is true. If this is a stand-up game, I favor, I favor Jan, but prove me wrong, Corey. I, I mean, if he, if he comes out with the striking game he had against Johnny Walker, then Hell, it's going to be tough to beat him, you know? It's going to be tough for anybody to beat him. Indeed, indeed. Uh, you know, I've been so back and forth, Brandon, on what John Jones should do next. Literally by the day, right? Yeah, you've changed your tune quite a bit on this. You know, after the fight on our Instant Analysis podcast on CBS Sports HQ, I'm like, nah, man, he's going to stay at 205. He's not going to fight the big guys now. Then I'm like, you know what? He needs to go fight the big guys now. He's, he's slipping. Then I'm like, well, maybe... He's not slipping. Once Luke Thomas starts slowing down the footage and John Jones is tweeting out like a maniac about how great his defense is, I'm like, maybe I'm slipping, Brandon. All I know is this. I still do believe that he wants that division title defense record for all for the for, you know, all, Mighty Mouse's record. If he feels so confident because he out gas tanked Dom Reyes and did sort of figure him out by the end that he can win that rematch and UFC can make a buck off of that and make it a John Jones fight you have to see, maybe he would break the title defense record by fighting the winner of Corey Anderson, Jan Blachowicz. That I actually agree with that. I just, I don't know if that, is that what John's motivated by right now? I know that you said, like, he keeps saying that he wants to break that record and everything, but do we actually know what is motivating him to keep fighting? Because we don't, as we noted, as we noted, like before, this was what his fourth fight in just about 13 months or 12 months, whatever it was like to get him to this ridiculously active pace that he hasn't been on in a long time. So is that, is he being motivated to just stay focused on training to keep himself out of trouble? Or is he trying to get to a goal? Like, is he trying to prove that he can beat a bigger guy like Dom Reyes now at 205 before he goes to two, to a heavyweight to fight somebody like Stipe or Nganu even? I don't know what he's motivated by. I I could see you being right in that he takes on a two, another 205-er just to break the record and then says, peace, I'm going to heavyweight. F off at Israel. We're never doing that fight. You can come find me at, at the bigger ranks, buddy. 
as you put your hoodie over your headphones for some weird reason. <laughs> uh, Brandon, the reason why we don't know his motivation is because he changes it publicly so often. He'll go on and run about how he, he's got a big fight planned. I, I, I need to fight Stipe, right? He did that to us before. You know, he teases going to heavyweight. He teases that he doesn't care about Israel Adesanya, yet always talks about him. So we don't really know. With all that said, this fight matters on Saturday. I am interested to see if one of them can... Look, if, if either of them limps to a decision, it's just not going to... You know, if it's Corey Anderson and he gets an emphatic win and he can get on that mic, I mean, he did show up at a trading card show or whatever it was that time in New Jersey to try to harass John. That could be interesting. Same if Jan can knock him the hell out, Brandon, and make an equally large statement. But let's talk quickly about this co-main event because this is the fight on the card I actually care about the most. It's just a weird-ass fight, okay? It's aging Diego Sanchez at 38 who is always has drama in some form against that circus puppet Michelle Padeda, who gassed out last time after dancing to the ring and trying to do backflips off of the ceiling uh, and almost had an Owen Hart-type ending. No, take that back. Way too soon, all right? Way too soon. Wow. Way too soon, all right? Um, (laughs) Wow. You can hear more on our State of Combat Pro Wrestling podcast. Such a jerk. Okay, uh, Brandon, look... Michelle Pineda is obviously talented. For any jokes I say about Johnny Walker at the same time, they're both hugely talented guys. Same criticisms the last time. I want to see him put it together and do some of that craziness within the flow of a fight to actually win the fight, not just to say, look at me. But Brandon, the odds makers for this one really seem torn. They really got them both as, as minus. And I get why, because there's questions about Pineda. And I get why, because every time we want to retire Diego Sanchez for him, he'll run off two wins in a row. He'll knock off Mickey. He'll knock out Mickey Gall. He'll do that. I don't want to see that guy take a lot more punishment, but I want to see this fight. I want to see it get wacky and weird. At the very least, we can expect that, right? Oh, yeah. Especially given Diego's just general temperament to be a psychotic person and and what was it during the 239 that he had like the stone on his chest that he said this was giving me like the magical powers to (laughs) to beat everyone and he only had the one person in his corner that was like (laughs) the the, was he a karate coach i don't even remember what he was but he was just like his sensei or something dude yeah because he's feuding with um jackson wink because he's broken free from them again and he's angry yeah in terms of just personalities, this is so perfect because these are two of the wackiest wild people in UFC and Michelle should absolutely destroy Diego. Like given what we saw Michael Chiesa do to Diego, like Michelle should have zero problems given the size disadvantage that he, that he will be at and just the unique strikes that Michelle will bring to this fight that, I don't think Diego has any chance. I can't believe he accepted this fight. Like, this seems like really bad decision-making by the UFC. Well, you, can, you can certainly see an ending where he gets, you know, violently knocked out on something ridiculous. But could you not see where Diego's notorious wrestling ability kind of holds Padeda down and he has moments and tries to humble the flash? Not really. I mean, if they brawl, he's getting knocked out. You know that. Right. Diego is. Yeah. Yes. Because unless the unless Michelle does the same thing again, where he's dancing to the ring and burns all of his energy on his way to the ring. How does Diego win this fight? Yeah. 
I mean, Diego, so, I would give Diego credit that his jujitsu game is evolving, but now he's with that weird uh, sensei, and now he's probably doing uh, like uh, Kama Sutra stuff. Yeah, we'll see what happens there in the in the cage. Uh, my girl Montana De La Rosa is back, Brandon. I know you don't care about her. I know you don't care about her potential. I know you just don't care at all, Brandon. Okay, <laughs> but uh, the twenty four year old from Montana is uh, is going to be taking on Mara Romero Barella. Okay, it's a crappy division. You get a couple wins. You're going to get sent to hell by Valentina. That's how this sport works. All right. I'm watching. Her name, is she actually from Montana? Yes. And her name is Montana. Yes. Yes. She was That's... born Montana Stewart. She's married to a fighter with the last name De La Rosa, Brandon. Okay. I'm learned. Get learned. Okay, bro. Montana is a weird place. Her, yes. her husband is also fighting on this card, right? Is he? I think so. I think I saw that this was like the first time that's ever happened. Oh, yeah. The flyweight Mark De La Rosa is in the opening bout. Is he? Uh... All right. That would be what? That's wild, Brandon. That is a right. Ra- I'm in for that. All right. Yeah. You that, know, I'm the kind of guy who's been trying to book Tisha versus Rocky Pennington at uh, at a catchweight for control of the uh, of the bed sheets. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> God. So. All right. All right. It's our last podcast. We had a good run, right? It really is. I mean, so there's an update to that Miami Herald story that we started with. From the Nate Diaz uh, erroneous report, it is now being reported that it is Michael Nates, who is another fighter from Miami. And I'm going to hold up the picture of him from his uh, tabology page for you. You tell me what this guy looks like. Oh, my God. He looks like a. uh... Does he not look like Luke Rockhold with a wig on? I was going to say a cross between Luke Rockhold and Zoolander, basically. (laughs) But uh, yeah. All right. Somebody lock that guy up. Uh, yeah. Hide your wives. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Brandon, what else you got for this card? Look, you you see Lando Venata versus Yancey Medeiros at lightweight. You're going to see blood. You're going to see action. You're going to see something fun. I like this card. I like the hell out of this card. All right. It's a sneaky good card. I I just want to see. I mean, I, I'm really just here for the main and co-main events. I know you just tried to give me the sell on the De La Rosa family dynamic here but i just i really can't get up for it can you get up for jim miller trying to get a three-fight win streak together after losing like 18 in a row yeah i like ray borg i want to see ray borg do well but i just don't know if it's going to happen for him again all right all right well that's on this card too that's not a bad fight who did you say nathaniel wood all right i'm in i'm in i'm in all right i'm in but uh that's it brandon that's it i got nothing more for you Jim Miller's on this card? I just told you, bro. He's just coming off that that Clay Guido win. He's trying to keep things going, all right? And Yikes. That guy's going to end up with the UFC wins record if we keep letting him go out there. Probably. Because he... Uh, who uh, who retires first? Here's a good question. Him or Donald Cerrone? Have they, they fought before, right? Haven't they, didn't they fight yeah. in the past few years? Maybe we just do a uh, both losers leave town match, all right? Well, how about they just fight to the death? How about that, okay? All right? Because... As Joe Rogan said, if if Jones and Reyes fought to the death, Jones would have killed him. Hit it. (laughs) All right. Hey, special thanks to my my chair falling apart here. This is great. My life and my desk chair is falling apart here. Um, Brandon, special thanks to the to former inaugural. Bellator middleweight champion Hector Lombard. Watch him fight that redneck on Saturday if you can. Uh, Rashad Evans doing his thing in L.A. Got some business opportunities. And special thanks to you at BWISE65, right? 
Brandon Y sixty five. All right. Hey, maybe we should hang out this weekend. You you free? Are we watching these fights? Like, do we want to do that? Uh, you know, I, I don't really. It's a really boring weekend outside of these two fights. Yeah, I don't really live with with women who enjoy watching fights. If that's what you're asking me, but uh, yeah, all right. Well, women. One, I want. What do you think I am? What do you think I am? And, and yeah, all right, all right. That's it. That's the show. Not everything today on the show worked, unfortunately. I could be fat. I could not have a six pack, but my dick works. My dick works. Uh, stay with the state the of microphone. Com- yeah, stay with the state of combat for all your needs. Brandon, next week, Wilder Fury two. Okay, get fired up. We'll have uh, pre, post, on location, during. We'll have it all covered for you. Special interviews, all that, and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It is your boy BC and the state of combat. And Brandon, for now, I am signing off with two words: get bent, because we out. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.